We welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We want to begin today by singing uh, hymn number 76. Number 76, please, let's stand as we worship the Lord today. This morning, what a great way to start the Lord's Day and to begin our service of worship, to think of the great mercies of God that have been poured out upon us. We are a blessed people, and no matter what is uh, the worst day you could have in your life, to realize, to know that we are secure and safe in our Lord and Savior, that we will never be lost if we are in Him. We'll never be cast into a lost eternity. And as the hymn writer wrote, though, through all eternity to thee, a joyful song I'll raise, but O eternity's too short to utter all thy praise. Let's rejoice in him this morning. And as we come now to still ourselves for prayer, that we will take just a moment and be settled We're coming in perhaps from a a morning of rushing and uh, trying to get to the Lord's house, and we're happy that each one of you are here. Well, let's just take a moment and settle our hearts as we come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are very, very thankful for the privilege given to us once more to come to the house of prayer and of praise 
and of the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ. We have experienced, Lord, mercies over this past week that we have not deserved. And we come this morning to lift our praise and our Ebenezer, our thanksgiving to our God and our loving Father because we have been granted mercies that are so abundant, so vast, so deep, so high. We cannot fathom, we cannot account for them, we cannot comprehend or understand, Lord, the great things that have been done for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has borne all of our sins, Father, on the cross of Calvary. And we know today that we have been washed in the blood of Christ and that we know Him as our own. And we possess today the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. We possess the knowledge that when we leave this earth in death, we will be ushered into glory to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. O God, help us, we pray this day, to comprehend something of the magnitude of that great blessing, and that we will consider all of the things of this life and the great problems or trials or difficulties. Perhaps some are going through some very deep waters just now. Lord, pour out Your abundant grace. Bless and meet every believer's need. And dear God, as we come this morning to offer our thanksgiving, to give our praise and worship. Lord, we know we are so limited to give that praise, but yet You are so gracious and merciful to receive whatever that we can give. Dear Lord, bless us today here. Open our minds and hearts to the fullness and the richness of our Lord and Savior. Help us to have the Scriptures applied to our hearts in every area of need. We pray, blessed Spirit, that we will be given wisdom and understanding, that we will have the knowledge necessary to understand the Word, and that, Lord, we will reflect that Word and the person of our Redeemer every day in our lives. Father, pour out Your blessing upon those who have very specific needs this morning. We remember the sick of our congregation, and we hold them up again, Lord, earnestly praying for Your touch upon their bodies and on their spirits and hearts. We pray for Brother Bodner this morning, Brother Cranston. You remember these servants would bless them abundantly and give them grace in this time of their need. Lord, we remember the needs that we have in all of our churches. We're thankful for every faithful tongue and every pulpit standing for the crown rights of King Jesus. And we pray, Lord, there will be a great increase throughout our land of Canada today in the salvation of souls in the bringing in of the unsaved, 
Lord, do that work through our own churches. Do that great work through every faithful congregation and preacher that is holding up the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father, we're thankful for the conference held here yesterday, the Truth in My Days ministry. And we pray for Brother Tors that you would bless him abundantly. And that word that was spoken yesterday faithfully proclaimed, Lord, you would multiply that word and use it over and over again. We are mindful of others' ministries that we know of close to our hearts, and we pray your blessing upon them. And Lord, you would grant to us an awakening in our land. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, an outpouring of your Spirit in revival blessing. And Lord, that we will be more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus, that we will walk more in fellowship with Him day by day, and that the light and the beauty and the glory of Christ would be seen through us. Lord, hear our prayer this day. Lift up our hearts and encourage our souls. We ask and commit ourselves earnestly in prayer. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. Well, let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. And we're turning to Psalm 1. And the Psalms are in the back of our book. And the words will be on our screen behind us. Psalm 1, let's stand, please, as we worship.
Well, we have been singing now from Psalm 1, and we're going to turn to that portion of Scripture and read there for a congregational reading. And then we'll also be turning over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. But first of all, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season." His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And then please over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, reading two verses at 53, verses 53 and 54, Mark 14. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Then verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, 
Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And the Lord bless to our hearts today with understanding the solemn portion of the word and the linking, of course, with Psalm 1, as we will be thinking today in our services about the downward steps of Peter, the steps of a backsliding Christian, what that means, and how we want to pray the Lord would give us great understanding and put a guard of protection around all of us that we will walk in honor, faithfully serving Him. A word of welcome now to all of you in our congregation today. We're very happy that you're here, and we bid you a warm welcome if you are here for the first time, or maybe you have come back to be with us again, then you are very, very welcome in the Savior's name, and certainly we welcome those folks viewing our service this morning online. I want to say a word of thanks to the men who ministered during our absence. We were away visiting our family and I really appreciate the men who are taking up both the Lord's Day service here and also our prayer meeting. A special word of thanks also to our brother Robin Cleland and Brother Maher working on the cabinets in the kitchen in the basement and doing some refinishing there. And also the ladies who were helping to clean the kitchen, getting ready for the conference of visitors. That was done, of course, last week. And we had the one conference uh, yesterday in our church here, Truth in My Days Ministry, and uh, Pastor John Tors was the lecturer. They had four different lectures going on throughout the day, and I would highly recommend that you go to their website, Truth in My Days, and uh, you're able to download those lectures. They'll probably be up within a day or so. And there was a lot of information. If you were here, well, you realized it was difficult to take it all in, but it was good, solid information, and it was good, helpful, uh, informative detail all about the resurrection of the Lord and a lot of the controversies that are raised against that and those who are deniers of the resurrection of Christ, and it would be helpful uh, for you in your own learning. I want to ask you to remember, please, in your prayers, uh, Reverend John Bod. I was speaking with our brother a couple of days ago, and as you know, he has stage four liver cancer, and so he is um, just trying to get through the days and thanking the Lord for the time that he has given to him, and uh, do pray much for our brother that the Lord's great grace would be upon him uh, during this time. Remember our services today, this afternoon at 5.50, we have our pre-service prayer time, and then our evening service tonight at 6.30. And just to let everyone know again, certainly the visitors, that our evening service is different from our morning service. Completely different service, different message. And so we encourage you to come along to the evening service as well, and make the Lord's Day a full day. Uh, don't just make it a part-time day. Come along and be with God's people. And certainly tonight, after our evening service, we'll be having a time of fellowship uh, downstairs in the basement 
as we do once in a month. This coming Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m. will be the Ladies' Bible Study, and that will be held over Zoom. And if you would like to get a connection for that, you could see our brother Jonathan McAnally, and he'll be sure that you get that connection so you can join up and be a part of the Ladies' Bible Study Tuesday at 7 p.m. Wednesday, our prayer meeting and our Bible study, 7.30. And then next Lord's Day, we have our... Well, first of all, on Saturday, there is a bowling outreach or out ministry for our youth, and that will be at 3 p.m. And young people, you have the details for that. Next Lord's Day, our service is Sunday school at 9.50, and we have classes for all ages. We'll be meeting in our regular services next Lord's Day, and our communion service will be after the evening service next Lord's Day. We do this every three months or so. We alter it from the morning to the evening. This gives you a little bit of heads up and encouraging everyone to attend the communion service if you know the Lord and if you are saved by His grace. Let's remember a couple of the advance announcements we've been thinking about. Our upcoming Easter services that will be held here in this church by the Brethren Assemblies. They're going to be renting our building for that weekend for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll be having our regular Easter services here on the Lord's Day. And then also the meetings in Port Hope Congregation on the Friday and Saturday, April 7th and 8th. And Reverend John Wagner will be the guest preacher for those times. They do have a dinner in Port Hope, and you're welcome to attend that. They just need to know the number of people who will be planning to attend. And those details, they'll be on our website. We'll give them to you more next Lord's Day. Well, those are all the announcements that we have to give to you, the ministry, important things. And we want to, again, encourage you and thank you for your tithes and your offerings that you give to the work of God here. And there is a plate on the table as you're exiting if you would like to make a donation to the work of God here. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, please. Number 516, Never Lose Sight of Jesus. We'll remain seated for the first couple of verses of this hymn.
for this final verse. ask you to turn now in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Luke, chapter 22. Reading from verse 54. If you are visiting in our congregation today, we are continuing in our study of the Lord's life, and we are coming down to the final hours of our Lord's life before He was crucified. And today we are thinking about the solemn circumstances of Peter's denial and of ours. We're reading, please, in Luke 22 and verse 54. Then took they Jesus and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And again, the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out 
and wept bitterly. Let's come, please, to pray. Father, we now have your word open before us, and I pray that we would all be settled and still in your presence, that every distracting thought would be taken from us, and the Holy Spirit will draw our attention to the Word and apply its truth to all our hearts. Lord, hear us today. Fill me, I pray, with the Holy Spirit's power so that I may speak the Word faithfully, clearly, plainly, so that no one would misunderstand. Lord, hear this prayer today and bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're using a text today, verse 61. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord before the cock crew. Thou shalt deny me thrice. And so in our messages today, this morning and tonight, I want to look at Peter's denial of Christ and our denials of Christ. The arrest of the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane was led by the treacherous Judas. It was a time of great diversity of emotion and reaction. For our Lord, who had just come through the draining trial of contemplating the cup that was before him, and of grappling with what that meant and what that would be for him to drink that cup completely of all the sin of God's people that he was going to bear, and it caused him to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. And now the Lord was facing the grip of ungodly and wicked hands upon his sinless body. It was a point of destiny for the Savior. But for Judas, it was a moment of fame. He was now the leader. He was the man who commanded the direction of the soldiers and those who were from the high priest's office. It was a moment of fame because very shortly it would lead to the night of his own suicide. For the army that was being led there, it was a night of revenge. It was a night of ignorance and a night of duty. They were doing as they were commanded. What about the disciples? Was it not for them a night 
of confusion, fearful, the experiences they were going through as their whole world was crashing down around them. Remember, they had hopes of a messianic kingdom. They had hopes that Jesus, the son of David, was going to come and overthrow the Roman occupation and make them the leaders of the world. But that evaporated as Jesus was being led away. But for Peter, it was the present and subsequent actions that would leave on him a solemn impression remaining to the day of his death. The events of that night changed him forever. They were hard lessons. They were lessons put in place by the purpose of a sovereign God and would be used because this man needed and would be doing a greater work in the years that followed Was it for Peter a flash of bravery in the Garden of Gethsemane? Was it adrenaline that caused him to take out his sword and take a wild swipe at the crowd and cut off the ear of Malchus? We do not know what it was that fully motivated him. But after the Lord showed his glory for a a moment and all of his enemies fell back to the ground, they came back that after that, and he allowed them to bind his hands. And in that binding, Jesus said, But these, my men, let them depart and go. And at which point all the disciples forsook the Lord and fled, including Peter. Now what played out then in the actions of Peter and his denials of Christ, why have been the topic of many, many sermons and much application. And while this is included in the Bible for our instruction, we all need to be very, very careful that we do not cast a disdaining eye, being accusatory upon Peter. For he was guilty, no doubt, of denying his Lord But have we not also been guilty? It was a night for him to remember. And these are lessons for us to remember as well. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us. He will write His truth upon our minds and will teach us so that we will not take confidence in the flesh or in our ability We will serve the Lord with all of our hearts and minds, and we will see the purposes of God being worked out in our lives. That we will know the truth of Philippians chapter 2, where the Lord says that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Notice, please, then, the first thought we have this morning is this. 
the steps of a backsliding Christian. What was it that gripped Peter? I say to you, it was a large heaping of self-confidence. That's what started and was working in the heart of this man. You will know in this story and account that our Lord, who is ever unfaithful and true to His Father and to the Scriptures, He never candy-coated the truth. He made it very clear and told His disciples what was going to be happening. And our Lord had just completed quoting from Zechariah 13, verse 7. We have it in Matthew 26, verse 31. Jesus said, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. The Lord was bringing the prophecy of Zechariah right down to that moment in time. The application of it was so real, so fresh, so vivid, right before the disciples. And Jesus said, this prophecy is now being fulfilled. He, the great shepherd of the sheep, would be smitten. And all of the sheep would be scattered abroad. He showed that this prophecy would be fulfilled in His disciples that very night. Jesus said that they would be offended in Him. The word offended is they would be scandalized in Him. And upon hearing that word, the disciples were offended being told that they would be offended. They took offense at that statement. And so Peter firmly declares, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That was his statement. I have no doubt that Peter believed what he said with all his heart. He was convinced in his own soul that he would never forsake his Lord. He had stood with Christ. He had followed Him for three years. He had seen all of the events. And now, as it comes to a conclusion, He is not going to forsake now. There's no way that could happen. Whatever He thought and was personally prepared to do, it was a very bold comeback, do you not think? For him to say to the Savior, actually it was a very brazen reproach of Christ. He accused the Son of God, note this, of taking the Scripture out of context and misapplying it. Could you imagine that? How how could that be? How could Peter do such a thing? But that's exactly what he did. How dare you, Lord, Turn such a prophetic word against us. Surely this must apply to the other so-called disciples, the ones that had deserted you when you told them about eating your flesh and drinking your blood. John chapter 6. 
And what about those other disciples who went away after they had been fed at the feeding of the multitudes, the 5,000, the 4,000, and they were following the Lord, hoping to get more free food. And when the tough times came, they forsook the Lord and left. Those are the ones that are being talked about. Surely, Lord, it's not us. But there you have it. Right in front of our eyes, the bold statement of Peter that even if all men would turn away and reject Jesus of Nazareth, he would never do such a thing. And we are told that all the other disciples in the garden said the same thing. So Peter was not alone in this. He was leading that charge, but the others came on board as well. Peter had, as the old adage goes, stepped out on a limb and was sawing furiously the limb that he was standing on. He was different, he thought. He was strong. He was brave. He was a leader who had spoken with such conviction. Remember when they asked, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter stepped forward and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I will make that declaration, and I believe it. Perhaps Peter forgot, though, that Jesus told him, Flesh and blood, Peter, not reveal that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. What you know about me, what, you have been, what has been revealed to you, has come to you by divine revelation, and it's not part of your intellect or your ability. This is a major fault line that appeared in Peter's character and life. But my friends, I say to you today, it's a major fault line for every single Christian. It is a fast track to a collapse when too much dependence is placed on personal ability, courage, stamina, or even resolve. You see, when our eyes are on ourselves, they are not just not on the Lord, but they are not on good ground at all. They're on weak ground being on ourselves. They're on very thin ice. Have you ever thought such a thing? Have you considered because of all that you have learned in your Christian life, because of the upbringing you've had, the amount of instruction from a child right up to where you are sitting now in this church or watching online. I mean, you've got a heritage. You've, had, you've been catechized from your youngest days. You've been brought up in a Reformed church based on the sound teachings of Bible truth and doctrine. You have been taught things from a child just as Timothy was, and you have 
a lot of Christianity under your belt. The fact that you belong to a church that has endeavored to take a stand for truth and a stand on the crown rights of King Jesus, you're you're a part of a body of believers that you believe you are doing what is right and taking a stand for truth. You would never consider denying the Lord, would you? Ah, Don't we hear echoing back to our minds, though? Let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Flashes of pride, misguided zeal, vain dependence on our own knowledge, and other things that blow up our confidence, just like a balloon blown up. It looks so big, doesn't it? But it's just a very thin membrane. And as soon as it is popped, all the air is gone, and you're left with just emptiness. Friends, let's remember that our hearts are deceitful. And when we step out to lean upon our own understanding or to trust in our own abilities, we're walking on ice that is dangerously thin. And the next step, we might find ourselves plunged into icy water. Our motives may be good. The intended honor of Christ standing for His Word, defending His church and His cause. That's what we are all about. And those are good motives. And those are good ideals. We could even draw Bible verses to show where we have stood for truth. But the underlying impetus for our action, it may well be self and not God. Let us beware, friends, today. Beware of the deception of depending on our own experience. And let us rather say we will take no confidence in the arm of our flesh, for it has failed us before, and it will fail us again. So, as Peter was stepping out And going down the road of backsliding away from God, away from Christ, self-confidence was a leading factor in this. But there is another factor here, and it has to do with prayerlessness. The Savior had taken Peter, James, and John farther with him into Gethsemane, when he prayed. The Lord segregated some of His people. He gave them special privileges over others. Let's also be mindful of that, that the Lord in His sovereign purpose has something for each of us to do. And don't be resentful to see another believer having some privilege or benefit that you may not have It's the Lord's sovereign choice. He took Peter, James, and John with Him farther than the other disciples, and He brought them to pray with Him. And He told them, Watch and pray, lest 
you enter into temptation. And so, our Lord went off to pray. But both of them, all of them, all three of them, they failed to watch and pray. Peter was so confident he would not desert the Lord, but he could not rally enough strength then, or enough willpower, or enough self-ability during a time of the Lord's greatest need in the Garden of Gethsemane then. And they all slept. But not just did they sleep once. The Lord came back to them different occasions, and He found them sleeping all three times. This was a large step, I say to you, in Peter's backsliding. And my dear friends, it is always going to be a large factor in our own drifting away from the Lord. When we don't account for the importance of prayer in our lives, we will end up being very busy doing the work of God, maybe. But our drift of fellowship from Christ, it starts when we neglect prayer and the feeding of the Scripture, taking His Word as we should. Other things may seem to be so important. We are just too exhausted, maybe, at times to pray. Other times we seem to be running around like chickens with our heads cut off, very busy doing so many things. But we perhaps neglect the most important thing. And because of the weariness of the flesh, we end up sleeping when we should be praying. We end up busy in so many other things when we should be seeking the Lord with all our hearts. Ah, my dear friends, these things are warning signs for us. Because of what happened to Peter, let us take great care. Israel, in the Old Testament, they fell when they neglected to seek God regarding the little town of Ai. Oh, they had seen great victory at Jericho. God brought them over the river Jordan. But Ai, they thought they could handle this themselves. And they only sent out some of the people. God commanded, send all. They said, no, we don't need to send all. We'll send some. Well, they had a great defeat. They had not sought the Lord in prayer on that whole matter, nor had they followed His Word, His clear commandment. And those two parts of the recipe, well, they would bring disaster, and they did for them. But it went further because Israel is really just a picture of us in our Christian walk and experience. Because remember what happened with the Gibeonites. God said, you do not make peace or treaty with any of those that are local by you. And so the Gibeonites put on a great show. They were local, but they came pretending they were from a great distance. And Joshua looked and they examined all the stuff and all the evidence, but they did not seek the Lord in prayer. They did not follow His Word. And so the issue of the Gibeonites continued to be a problem for them. What about David when he was moving the Ark of the Covenant? That circumstance that ended in the death of Uzzah. A setback for David, no doubt. 
He had not prayed and sought the Lord on that matter, nor had he followed the clear command of Scripture regarding the Levites and the position they had in moving the Ark of the Covenant. All those things were set aside because they were distracted by the jubilance and joy and so-called success of that moment of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back in. But they had neglected what God told them to do. And friends, when we come to roadblocks, when we fall down in our Christian life, let's look back and be very observant and see where we have gone off track. Where did Peter go off track? He was full of himself and he was empty of prayer. And he was a man who did not take heed to the Word of the Lord. Friends, I have known this too many times in my own Christian life. And I know you've known it as well. You've known times where you've been so busy, you've been overwhelmed with the stuff of life, and you have neglected your time, you've been too busy to pray. And of course, as one man said, if you are too busy to pray, you are just too busy. We've had to retrace our steps. I've had to, to redo the very thing that I thought I had no time to do. Yeah, we've learned those lessons in the past. I trust we've learned them. Many times we have spun our wheels and we've only dug ourselves deeper into the mud and the mire as the tires spin and the car goes down lower and lower and you're not getting out until... You get the tow truck to hook up or some other way of getting you out. And that's what we need when we have gone, well, backward in our Christian life. Let us learn today. Let us pray this truth into our hearts and learn the lesson from Peter of how much damage could have been avoided, backsliding averted, had we followed the Lord's path and His example. And so, these are some of the steps of Peter's backsliding. The second thought as we consider this portion is the Savior's prophecy about Peter's denial linked to an ordinary rooster. It's kind of ironic, isn't it, when you think about it? And you pass by it, maybe often in the reading of the, of the Bible. Is this anything of great importance? Well, no sooner had Peter declared his resolute determination to stand for Christ and be willing to go to prison and to death, that the Lord Jesus told him in the hearing of all the disciples that this night would not be finished before he would deny the Lord three times and the rooster would crow, marking those denials. There are three accounts of this rooster crowing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now John does not mention that particular bird, but he does include the three denials of Peter. 
But there are some differences in the accounts which have raised questions about discrepancies in the Bible. Well, they, they come often, don't they? When people who read the Scriptures and they're looking for areas of flaw and of fault, well, they will find them, if they can, in different accounts within the, the Gospels. Yet when they are considered carefully and prayerfully, it will again be seen that while each writer, in this case of the Gospel accounts, some of them give more information and some give less information. For example, in Matthew 26, verse 34, we have these words, Jesus said unto him, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And that's all that's stated by Matthew. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then in Luke 22.34, Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So the basic substance of the three gospel accounts, they paint the picture about Peter's denial and about the use of the rooster crowing and Matthew and Luke, they give the same information. But Mark speaks about the cock crowing twice before Peter would complete his trilogy of denial. What do we make of this? Is it a discrepancy in the gospel records? The answer is straightforward. We have to understand a little bit about how a rooster operates and what makes him crow. The common rooster generally crows as the dawn is approaching of a new day. And he does so to sound the light of that new day, not because he is doing it for a purpose that he knows. But Mark gives us more information of what the Lord said to Peter. Matthew and Luke, they give us the direct detail. But Mark gives us a little bit more. And Mark tells us that the bird would sound twice this night. For a rooster to crow in the middle of the night, it's not common and is usually a warning to the hens that there is a predator in the area. And I wonder, was this another signal from the Lord that the enemy, that Satan was lurking and the danger was very, very near as Peter would have heard 
the, the rooster crowing in the middle of the night. We have the accounts given to us as we read in Luke about the different approaches to Peter. There was an hour space between the one. We are given a time frame in the Gospel of Luke. So it wasn't that Peter just had all denials together. There was time space between them. What is amazing here, as we consider the account, is how the Lord chose to use a very simple bird. This bird that is programmed with an internal clock to give, well, sort of a bugle call for the sun rising. And so, he links this to the denials of his disciple. It's interesting when you think how God operates in nature and how He will use different animals and creatures and purposes. In the prophecy of Isaiah, we are told and about the sovereign operation of God in Isaiah 46, verse 11, that God calls a ravenous bird from the east and a man that executeth his counsel from a far country. What, what has that got to do with Peter and the rooster? The fact is that God uses His whole creation from the smallest creature, from an insignificant bird, from a ravenous bird. He'll call it from a distance to come to do His purpose. And so God called this bird that night to do His purpose, to give out a warning. Why do roosters crow at that time in the morning. Some studies have shown that roosters, similar to many other animals, have an internal clock that is based on a 24-hour cycle linked to the rotation of the earth around the sun. This is very interesting because as the dawn approaches, the rooster sounds off. Mainly, it is believed to mark out his territory. In the event of any other roosters would think to come into his territory, he's the chief, he's the king, he's got that space covered. And so that is why they believe that roosters do that. So the God of creation, he chose to use this simple creature, but this was a completely different purpose of this warning, this warning of danger. It was a wake-up call, a wake-up call to his erring child to bring him back from the brink of disaster. The Lord will not allow His children to go so far down that there is no recovery. Friend, if you are born again today by the Spirit of God, if you are a genuine follower of Christ, a believer, we may stumble and fall. But know this, that the sovereign, loving God, your Father, He will not allow you to go down so far that you will be forever lost. You are kept and secured by a loving Heavenly Father by His sovereign arms. 
And what the Lord does do as He sends His alarm clocks into our lives. He sends His wake-up calls for us as part of His sovereign providence to keep us on track or to stop us from going off track so far that we end up destroying ourselves. Therefore, let's be very careful that we don't despise those heaven-sent messengers. Let's be careful that we don't despise the sometimes annoying roosters in our lives. They're sent for a purpose. God intends them to be markers, to be beacons that will flash out a warning, to be lights that will be to direct us and caution us, and to be the sounds that keep us from going and pulling us back from the brink of ruin. Remember that Christ told Peter that though Satan desired to have him, that he might sift him as wheat, Jesus said, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. Now, if you were to look at the situation, you would think, Peter's faith is gone. It has failed. It's over. He's done it. And it might appear that way on the surface when things have gone very far. But the Lord, remember, is praying for you today, believer in glory. He is interceding on your account. Your name is engraven in His hands. And He loves you with an everlasting love. He will never let you out of His reach. He will send His alarms. He will send His roosters. He will send those things. Peter loved the Lord. There is no doubt about that. Peter was genuine and sincere in what he said. I will never leave you, Lord. I'll never forsake you. He loved the Lord. And it's a warning for us as to how far down a child of God could go. Many of us would have written Peter off, wouldn't we? Many of us would have said, if he could do that, he is finished. He is not a true believer. He has denied his Lord. But he didn't just deny him. He did so with oaths and curses. Friends, let us therefore be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. Let us be very careful. Let us avoid, as we think about the conclusion to our message this morning, there is a great danger that we have of over-dependence on self. God has given us accountability and responsibility, and we have to be accountable for ourselves and our own actions. And He has given us a mind to think and a will to motivate. But let us be careful that we do not abuse that and go too far in self-dependence. Let us beware that we do not neglect the great grace of prayer in our lives. And to take heed to the word that Jesus speaks to us today, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Those are good words for us to take. And we also 
want to be sure we don't ignore the alarms that are sent out to us by a loving Savior. Friends, if we are the people of God today, if we know Him, and we want to say, Lord, teach me and instruct me in the way that I am to go. But friend, today it may be that you're here in the service, you're watching the meeting online, and you're not a believer in Christ. You don't know that you're truly saved. Well, the gospel is always an open door and an open message for you. You can call upon the Lord right where you are today, right now. You can say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And as you call upon Him, He will hear your prayer of confession. He will receive your repentant heart and spirit. And you will be able to know that Christ is your Redeemer, your Savior. He is your chief shepherd. And you are a sheep of His fold. I pray that your heart would be open today to receive Him. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, take this Word today, the Scripture, and write it upon our hearts. And help us, we pray, to comprehend, to take in, Lord, that we will not be distracted by the weakness of the arm of the flesh, Rather, all of our confidence, all of our dependence, all of our hope to serve and to live for the Master will be resting completely upon our God. Father, hear our prayer today. Bless us now. Part us in Your fear and with Your rich and mighty blessing. For we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.